Good afternoon, uh, listeners of Medical Education's podcast series. This is Kevin Eva again, the editor-in-chief of the journal. Today I'm going to be joined by another Eva, Eva Doherty, Director of Human Factors and Patient Safety at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, the National Surgical Training Center specifically. And I've asked Eva if she would speak to me today because she's publishing a literature review in the February issue of Medical Education entitled Personality Factors in Medical Training. As I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will recognize, personality is one of those topics, one of those constructs that many, if not all of us, have fairly strong intuitions about. It has a very rich history in terms of empirical study, both within the medical realm and predominantly, I suppose, within psychology. And the findings have often been inconsistent, I guess, in some ways with those intuitions and in other ways quite inconsistent with the intuitions. And I was quite intrigued by Professor Doherty's analysis and paper, and thank you, Eva, for being willing to come on the podcast and chat with me about it. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. As I said, this is a topic that I find quite intriguing and a challenging topic, given that there's been so much research done on it in the past, and that often the empirical findings do require conveying or disseminating in a way that forces people to overcome their intuitions. I wonder if I could start by asking you what got you interested in the topic, and interested enough that you went to the effort of conducting this literature review. Yes, okay. Well, I've been involved in medical education, specifically in undergraduate and graduate medical education now for some years. And I am a clinical psychologist and had been involved with personal and professional development programs at our medical schools in the College of Surgeons. And then recently moved over to the Surgical Training Centre and they have had a programme of aptitude testing for some time and we're very interested in looking to perhaps expand that into the area of assessment of personality. And so we decided to undertake this review to see, you know, what was the evidence out there about the assessment of personality in order to try and decide about, you know, what we would introduce into our programme. So that was really the basis of why we undertook this review of the literature. The big five-factor model is a model which describes five domains of personality which have been shown to be very stable, if you like, across an individual's life. And these domains are called neuroticism, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And neuroticism is perhaps not exactly like the way we, you know, uh, the meaning might associate with that term, but it really describes perhaps the a familiarity, if you like, with negative emotions in a way. Somebody who scores high on neuroticism is somebody who's going to know a lot about what it's like to feel um, afraid or to feel very sad or, or angry. Whereas somebody who scores low on that is somebody maybe who's perhaps more relaxed in a way and is quite calm and even-tempered. Somebody then who scores high on extroversion is somebody who's very sociable, but not only that, um, people who score high on extroversion are people who seek out stimulation. They like to be in large groups and gatherings, they're very active, very assertive individuals. Somebody who then is very high on openness is somebody who is very creative. It's maybe the, the domain that's most associated with our idea of an intellect as such, um, they tend to be very intelligent, 
And the domain of agreeableness, it's very much about how we relate with people. And somebody who's high on, on agreeableness is somebody who's very altruistic rather than the opposite might be more somebody who's regarded as perhaps a little egocentric. And then conscientiousness then is really about trying to control your impulses. Somebody who's very high in conscientiousness is somebody who's able to apply themselves, they're very focused and they can tolerate frustration, they can really focus on the task at hand. So they're essentially the five sort of domains of, of personality that we call the big five. They're assessed usually, but not always, by a very well-recognized measure called the NEO, which stands for Neuroticism, Extroversion and Openness. They were the first three. And so the test is called the NEO. So people will talk about the NEO, and that's, that's what they're referring to. If the, the Big Five model was useful for you in conducting uh, your literature review, and as you started wading through the, the papers and the literature that you were coming across, were there specific aspects of it that seemed to be more or less strongly related to some of the uh, outcomes or performance measures that you were interested in? Well, yeah. It turns out that a number of the uh, the papers that, that I have reviewed, in fact, have used the big factor model in various ways. Sometimes one is used what they call the three-factor model, uh, so they just use the first three um, domains. Um, but a lot of the studies use the big factor model in their work. And so what they found was that the domain of conscientiousness seems to be a very important part of an individual's personality in terms of predicting academic success in medical training. But what's very interesting, though, I think, is that when the individual then is out in the workplace and is relating with peers and colleagues and patients and families, the domain of extroversion and openness takes on an increasing level of importance and significance. And is a, a very good predictor of whether somebody is maybe going to feel under a lot of pressure and distress and stress and in the way that they relate with their work environment as well. So am I right in understanding from those statements then that, that in fact the one's performance on these measures or uh, what might be labeled their personality is quite dependent on the situation that they're involved in and the, the context may bring out, to varying degrees, different aspects of their personality. One of the studies was able to show that, in fact, that we can regard personality as actually causing the outcome. So, in other words, if somebody is going to score very high, perhaps on your autism, that individual is vulnerable, if you like, to becoming stressed in the workplace, one of the studies is able to show it's not just an association, that there's actually a cause, a causative effect here. Interesting. Okay. And how did they uh, get beyond the correlations that are standard and common in, in this domain? Yeah, well, this study that I'm talking about was carried out in the UK over a 12-year period. Uh, it was published by Chris McManus, and he conducted quite a sophisticated path analysis through which he was able to demonstrate that one personality characteristic was actually leading to the effect. You obviously, as you said, the start got into this from a very practical perspective. You had this task as an educator that you needed to perform and, and wanted to clearly approach it in a scholarly way and determine what the literature could provide in the way of guidance. Have you 
come to a conclusion on how you use this and what you're going to do in your own educational practices? Well, we have, in actual fact, well, as because of this, we have embarked on a pilot project over the last three years now. We're just about to analyze our results where, in fact, we ended up opting for emotional intelligence, in fact, on the basis that if the literature is, is showing that as when you're in the workplace, your social skills, if you like, take on a whole new importance. We thought that emotional intelligence actually offers us a measure which has a lot of face validity, which has a lot of appeal. People can really understand what it means, whereas the, you know, some of the domains you know, from the big five-factor domains are, you know, as you said earlier, not everybody really understands exactly what they mean, whereas we've been using two particular measures of emotional intelligence now at our surgical trainees, and we've been using them both for selection purposes and also for training purposes, and we're about to analyse the results in the very near future to see, you know, how useful that has been. Interesting, yeah, it's really nice to be able to bear witness to this nice marriage between practical uh, realities and the decision-making you're, you're having to go through and how that's fed into this lit review and leading up with some very specific studies aimed at, at filling the gaps that remain. So I think I would end the podcast there by congratulating you on the effort. I have written a few reviews myself and know how much time it takes to pull together the literature and try to synthesize it in a meaningful way. And while listeners can't possibly appreciate the full scope of your paper from this brief podcast. I hope we'll take the time to read it and take advantage of the effort that you've engaged. Well, thank you very much. And I would encourage people to take a read of it because each of the studies makes fascinating reading, I have to say. Every single one of them is really interesting. Yeah, and even, and I should also acknowledge her co-author, Emily Nugent, also from the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, have presented each paper in considerable detail, the variety of papers that they found from the literature over the past decade. So I'll just echo Eva's recommendation of the paper and wish you luck with the rest of your research. Thank you. Good talking to you.